0: I'd like to let you know that Aussie Med Ed is sponsored by OPC Health, an Australian supplier of prosthetics, orthotics, clinic equipment, compression garments, rehabilitation devices for doctors, physiotherapists, orthotists, podiatrists, and hand therapists. If you'd like to know what OPC Health offers, visit opchealth.com.au and view their range online. Good and welcome to the Aussie Med Ed, the Australian Medical Education Podcast, where we get to interview specialists in a variety of medical areas asking their opinion on their certain conditions and obtaining their insight into how they diagnose and treat that condition. In these COVID times, it's a way of replacing the relaxed discussion around the hospital by allowing the listener to put forward questions to be answered and addressed on their behalf. I hope you enjoy the whole program and welcome once again to Aussie Med Ed. And today on Aussie Med, we could interview James Schomburg. He's a physiotherapist with a Bachelor of Applied Science in Physiotherapy and a director in the Back in Motion group in Campbelltown. James is extensively involved in teaching and was a lecturer and clinical supervisor at the School of Physiotherapy for 11 years at the University of South Australia in both the postgraduate and the undergraduate programs. Today he's going to talk about his approach to the treatment of non-specific back pain. Not only would this information be useful for the general practitioner seeing a patient on a regular basis, but also for the medical student revising for their exams or preparing for their OSCE examination. I'm Gavin Nyman, an orthopedic surgeon based in Adelaide and also a senior lecturer at the University of Adelaide involved in orthopaedic musculoskeletal teaching. I hope you enjoy the podcast series, and if so, please feel free to subscribe. Give us a like or review, or tell your friends about it. We look forward to having you listen to our podcast series, and we hope you find it enjoyable. I'd like to begin this podcast by acknowledging the the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast has been produced, and pay my respects to the elders, both past and present. It's my pleasure now to introduce James Schomburg. He's a physiotherapist based in Campbelltown, He's also extensively involved in teaching. He's the past national president of the Musculoskeletal Physiotherapy Association, and his main passion is sharing clinical knowledge to physiotherapists and doctors. Not only has he been a keynote speaker, but he also presents courses on low back pain, neck pain, shoulder injuries, and knee injuries, and other areas around the world. Today, he's going to talk to us about the treatment of non-specific back pain. Welcome, James.
1: Thanks, Gavin
0: back pain is a very common presentation. I believe it involves most of the people in society. What sort of percentage of people present with back pain and will actually come along and see a physiotherapist?
1: 80% within a year will suffer a back pain episode sufficient enough to see either a doctor or a physiotherapist in Australia and it's a pretty big statistic when you look at the numbers. Four out of five people have back pain sufficient enough to need treatment.
0: And how do they tend to present to you? Do they normally self-refer or are they referred by a general practitioner to you?
1: We get a few referrals from doctors, but probably less you know, over the years, but look, we get some Medicare referrals and some other referrals. Definitely the predominant group of clients that we see are patients who are self-referred. So look, that adds another element for us as physios because we obviously need to do some triaging just to make sure that what's coming in front of us is actually A, you know, something we can treat and B, not a more sinister pathology. And if it is so, then obviously we need to pass that on back to the general practitioner.
0: And that, so, what process do you go through as a triage process? What are the red flags you look for? Uh, what do you, how do you go down the, that path of assessing them?
1: The first thing isn't trying to become pseudo doctors, but what we need to do is identify different factors in the in the history, the physical examination that might point to a more sinister condition. The ones that I've seen over my career, that and certainly the ones that we've been taught to look at. Uh, the carcinomas, particularly secondaries. I've seen people present with AAAs that have masqueraded as back pain. So I've also seen people with autoimmune inflammatory diseases such as ankylosing spondylitis present to us and yet have not been seen or diagnosed as something more sinister that are thinking it's more of a mechanical problem. So those ones, and obviously the one that's probably the nastiest and I've only seen a couple in my career is quarter equina. So we go through a triage process, obviously asking questions like loss of weight, night sweats, malaise, lethargy. We ask those things standardly. Night pain, particularly the sun remitting, significant morning stiffness in their back if it lasts more than an hour. Obviously, if they've got a past history of cancer, that raises our suspicion. Age, if they're quite young, with really an insidious onset or that over 60 and this is again an insidious onset then all those things raise the the possibility that it might be a more sinister pathology and also look it's a combination of those the more that these people present with a number of those things the more that I would get more concerned and thankfully most of what we see has got a very clear mechanical basis but those that don't we always are trying our best to actually make sure they get referred on to the appropriate channel.
0: How would you define a specific mechanical basis? Do you mean a specific trauma or just a particular type of injury?
1: Sometimes it's a trauma. Like sometimes clients will say, look, I went down and picked up a a box and I felt my back go. Other times it might be that they've been sitting for an abnormally long period or they've done an activity they're not used to and they've developed back pain after that like that's gone there are lots of jogs and they haven't been taking up jogging and after jogging they've developed this back pain so if we see some fairly mechanical clear mechanical reasons for their symptom i'd be much less concerned about it being something far more sinister i mean the research says you know only about 0.9 to 3%, and that depends on the articles you read, but yeah, it's a very low number that actually triggers a red flag condition. The key is it's not common, but also you don't want to miss them.
0: And pain presenting in a specific location affects how you diagnose or classify the
1: condition? It can. Look, that's not so much the area, but if there's leak pain, that obviously raises the possibility of radiculopathy or on a So once we've cleared that it, it's not a red flag, and we then look to see if it, if it's a specific diagnosis or not. Specific diagnoses in back pain are pretty uncommon. There's still a only 10 to 15% of what you see is a specific diagnosis. So I want to make sure I do tests to rule out nerve root, Yes, so disc prolapse, a herniated disc, significant thesis, spinal canal stenosis, modic changes with intervertebral disc degeneration. So the other ones that I We'll ask a series of questions and they'll have different presentations to people who are non-specific, your back strains, which accounts for about 85% of what we see. So I do testing like neurological examination, straight leg raise and so on to which give me really big clues about whether there may be something more severe such as as a disc prolapse or a uh, nerve root.
0: And with non-specific back pain, where is the pain localised to? Is it central down the spinous processes or just to the sides over the facet joint?
1: They'll usually come in with either central or unilateral or both back pain. They often will have radiation into their body. So if they've got buttock pain, back pain, nothing going below their very gluteal crease, it's a fairly good bet it's just a non-specific back problem. I'd probably use the term back strain. The first treatment that we would offer as physios is just simply what we think it is, that it's not serious, that it will get better quickly, and to keep moving because movement is what actually allows good recovery for their back pain and all the research is pointing more and more towards those simple but really powerful messages and certainly if we can send that message and I hope also the general practitioner if they're involved also shares that same message that's probably going to have the most profound impact long term on that client just getting them to understand that it's not worrying if they've got pain that it is okay to move we've done the necessary safety tests and in our case we don't we're not seeing anything serious so get moving and it will get
0: better quickly. So the, the acute spasm of pain where someone struggles to actually get out of bed, going to bed and lying down is not good long-term?
1: You always get those patients who've got those what we call acute backs, the ones that come in and are flexed over, got it like a 20-degree flexion, they're leaning forward. They can't flex much better than that. They can't even get straight because of their spasm. It's interesting because most of those aren't actually a severe pathology. Often it's just a lot of spasm. You, you've got a couch that, Evidence which says get them moving with reality is if they've got that much spasm, and they can't even stand up straight. They may need periods of being lying down just for comfort. But also you tell them, that, look, as soon as you feel comfortable, just get up and moving. You tell them simple advice like good old-fashioned heat you know, with wheat bags. Heat's actually a really old method, but it's got really good evidence when people have got a lot of spasm as a good way of reducing pain. So, Pat, yes, you can get them to lie down, but tell them lie down Get yourself comfortable, but don't stay lying down forever. Make sure you get up, test it out, because eventually the spasm will break up once you've taken the non-weight beam for a period and had some heat. What we don't want people to do is rest in bed days upon days, that's been shown to be one of the biggest risk factors to developing chronic back pain, where instead of it subsiding, it leads to an ongoing persistent
0: problem. And does it matter what the actual underlying diagnosis is? Because it won't really matter for the diagnosis to determine how they treat them in the initial stages?
1: Some of the messages I just gave there were for the yeah, non-specific, the 85%. But if somebody's got a herniated disc, and they've just done it this week, and you've picked that up on the bilateral cross-strait grace test and you've picked up that they've almost definitely got a, a disc prolapse, you're going to be telling them slightly different messages. It's going to take longer for it to settle. You're also going to tell them that there is some research to say don't do heavy lifting in the initial stage. It's just to allow recovery to start occurring. So some of those messages I gave for so your non-specific, you would taper and alter slightly different for discs. For nerve roots, again, look, it depends. I mean, most nerve roots are either from a disc prolapse or they're from posterior structures and you want to find a position that gives them comfort. If it's a disc, tension positions will actually relieve their lower limb pain. If it's from posterior structures, then you may find them putting themselves in a flex posture may give them some pain relief. And it's important you don't keep impinging on that nerve in the early phases, just to let that nerve settle down. So if it was a nerve root without really any significant loss of neurological status, the research shows that physio and conservative treatments in general are just as effective as surgical, but obviously only if it's only minor neurological symptoms. If a patient comes in and sees me and they've got zero out of five power in a muscle, then I'm referring them immediately on because that's well beyond that. So we do change the treatment slightly for more of the specific conditions that you just
0: said. So the assessment is obviously vital to exclude red flag, try and pick up specific type of causes. But in general, most presentations are non-specific pain where none of these are identified and really early mobilisation when symptoms allowing so is important. When we talk about mobilisation, we're talking about purely walking or you wouldn't go to doing exercises or running in this in the early stages.
1: No, look the research for when somebody's just got a back strain is like I said before, just getting encouraging them to restore their normal activity. Heat. Mobilisation is being provided by a physiotherapist, so passive mobilisation manual therapy. So it may be a combination of mobilizing the painful joints and also some massage therapy for the spasmed muscle. So there's good evidence when there is those sort of losses of motion that manual therapy, be it massage or mobilisation, can help restore that pain-free range of motion. You wouldn't put them through a specific exercise program for an acute back because really... The research is not saying that any specific exercise is of benefit for acute back pain. For more persistent back pain, then definitely an exercise program becomes one of the mainstays of conservative treatment.
0: And in general, are there certain positions to avoid such as I'd like to let you know that Aussie MedEd is supported by HealthShare. HealthShare is a digital health company that provides solutions for patients, GPs, and specialists across Australia. Two of HealthShare products are Better Consult, a pre-consultation questionnaire that allows GPs to know a patient's agenda before the consult begins, as well as HealthShare's Specialist Referrals Directory, a specialist and allied health directory helping GPs find the right specialist. Sitting or standing too long.
1: Yeah, look, it depends on the presentation. Most spines respond well to movement. That is. The patient will actually tell you. They will not actually say it as such. But when you get the history, the history is often telling the patient to keep moving. And I'll give you an example. You know, a lot of patients, you talked about sustained standing. And one of the most common aggravators of back pain is sustained sitting. And, you know, I'll say to the person, to so a patient, look, What's your biggest issue? And they said, look, I can't sit for a long period. And I then asked, well, what do you do when you get sore like that? What's the best thing for you to help settle your back? And they say, look, I've just got to get up and change position. And that feeds into that message about keeping moving. Most people intuitively find that static postures are an irritant for back pain and movement for most patients is actually an easing factor. But sometimes you need to point that out clearly to the patient and reinforce that. So there isn't any clear pattern because some patients are worse, particularly if it's more um, facet joint related, they'll have more problems with extension activities such as walking, lying down prone or lying supine. Whereas if it's more patients where flexion is the biggest issue, so putting on their shoes, bending down to reach for things, lifting, all those things will be an aggravator. And so what I tell my clients is if you're having problems with bending, well, let's get you doing things like walking. If you're having problems with walking, well, let's get you doing things more things like cycling or even leaning forward. Slouching, you mentioned slouching. Slouching is really a good good position for bats to be in. So, uh, yeah, I certainly discourage slouching, but I also... So some patients sitting up rigid, particularly if they've got pain going into extension, might be a really an uncomfortable thing to do. So just adopting more natural postures is really important.
0: Once the patient comes in with the acute spasm and it starts settling, to try and prevent them getting into chronic scenarios and chronic back pain situations, what what's the next stage of treatment before they before they deteriorate and go down the chronic phase?
1: What I what we try and do is. Prevent recurrence. I mean, for me, once a person's become symptom-free, I will do everything I can in terms of offering them solutions which can help reduce that risk of recurrence. Recurrence rates for that pain, we talked about the incidence of that pain being about 80% or recurrence rates for that pain within a year. Vary, but according to the research, between 33 and 84%. I mean, it's very big variation, but most of the studies sit somewhere between 70 and 84%. So what they're telling us is most clients, even though they're symptom free, are less vulnerable after the first episode of that painful recurrence. So what I want to do with all my clients is offer them solutions which can actually try and reduce that recurrence rate. And the research says there's some clear treatments, and they're very simple, that actually can help reduce recurrence and that is, again, exercise therapy. Exercise therapy is also useful for preventing recurrence at that pain. Coupled with education, the education is letting them know that movement, again, is good for them. At the whole time, you want to be giving them positive affirmations and look, the exercise programs that they've done studies on for preventing recurrence, there was a large study three years ago that looked at 30,000 patients. And it looked at exercise being an eight-week program, twice a week supervised by a physio. And it was a combination of what we call core stability exercise or Pilates-type exercise and general strength and condition with some cardiovascular. So it was a combination of core stability, strength and cardiovascular fitness done twice a week for eight weeks. And that seemed to have had very significant protective effect. Recurrence rate dropped by forty five percent when they looked at implementing that program. So if you're looking the question about what would I offer when somebody has gone past the acute phase and you would hope it's symptom free, I would offer clients that is an option for them to consider. Now not not all clients are going to do that. A lot of clients once are symptom free, just think, you know what, I'm fine, I'm just going to let it be now. But reality is a lot of them will get recurrences within a year, so I believe it's my role to at least offer that to them.
0: So, hopefully, these measures lead to resolution of the symptoms. But what happens if the patient goes into develop a chronic pain? So, in a situation where further investigations has not identified any other significant pathology, how does treatment change then?
1: Look, then treatment does change, The the, the treatment then not necessarily aimed at uh, restoring motion through mobilisation, although you sometimes might still use mobilisation, spinal mobilisation, very short term, just to try and see whether there is any chance of reducing symptoms, but it'd be very short term. So if a patient walked in with me with, Chronic pain, pain that had been with them for at least three months. Manual therapy has really significantly dropped in what I would do and I would then be looking at why is their pain persisting long after their symptoms should have settled. If the person's become very scared of moving, very fear avoidant, I may actually need to refer them back to their GP and be cognitive behavioural therapy has got a good place for um, for persistent back pain. The other things I would do as well is Again, ensure that they're trying to resume activity. And so I'd be getting them to actually start moving again, if they're not moving, or if they've been moving, getting them to gradually increase their activity. I'd be spending a lot of time talking to them about the importance of movement to restore strength into the muscles, to give them protection. And I'd be giving them exercise, and the exercise is going to be graduated. It's going to be, it could be Pilates. It could be gym type settings. The current research that exercise therapy is one of the most important treatments for chronic back pain, but the evidence also isn't clear whether one type of exercise is more effective than the other. And so the the types of exercise you could describe could be Pilates, it could be like a strength and conditioning program, it could be just a graduated general whole body exercise program like a walking program or a swimming program. Currently, they've all been shown to be efficacious. There isn't any study to say that one is more effective than the other. So, what I do when I see patients with chronic back pain is I talk about how all of these treatments can be really effective for managing their pain and improving their function. But what I say is there's no evidence one's better than the other. So, what I then say to them, well, which one are you more interested in doing? Because the only effective exercise is one that you do. So, you want to make sure that they're actually doing one that they're actually going to stick at. So, I give them those options. And I'd say probably the most common tool I get from patients would be like a strength and conditioning program, like working in a gym, with us and then progressing to you know, more a exercise physiologist or a personal trainer, or the other option we send them to, or they do Pilates, often with us in our rooms. So um, it, it, it there really, is, as I said, it really comes down to patient preference because there is no evidence that one's more effective than the other.
0: Now, returning to the role of the treatment of the acute setting, what role does ultrasound and interferential have to play in this setting?
1: is going to use those. It would be used for you're probably reducing spasm and reducing pain. i sound found over the years that they use less and less. It does reduce spasm somewhat, so it's an option.
0: And acupun- acupuncture or dry needling? There's is-
1: is better evidence for uh, back pain, for both acute and chronic back pain that acupuncture and dry needling. Yeah, It's not your first line of treatment, but it, it can be considered second-line treatment that is it judiciously. So if somebody had quite a bit of spasm, then certainly trialing dry needling or acupuncture is worth it. The evidence is okay. It's, there's been enough work in terms of randomized trials to show that there is some limited effectiveness. Clients with high levels of pain, high levels of spasm, are probably more likely to benefit from acupuncture and dry needling than those that don't have spasm as a key feature of their presentation. And
0: when we were talking about the Pilates and the core-based exercises and the aerobic fitness, does swimming fit into that category? I mean, would regular swimming do, fulfil the criteria for all those aspects?
1: Not all aspects. Look, I think, look, swimming, I said before that, you know, cardiovascular and strengthening. I mean, swimming does both of those. But it would vary from one client to another. For certainly prevention, preventing recurrence from reading the research, whether somebody's doing Pilates or swimming. The evidence is pretty equivocal. It's still excellent. So I think for somebody who's had an acute episode but it's settled down and they want to stop it happening again, it would be a good role.
0: Basically, in summary, the back pain is a very common scenario. It's important to exclude the sinister situations by taking an f- appropriate history and ex- assessing them. Treat the back pain spasm with muscle relaxation in the form of heat or short-term rest only but trying to encourage mobilisation as soon as possible and then progress to a exercise regime, preferably supervised by a physiotherapist, so any acute spasms that may occur on the individual times may be reassured and settled and then try to avoid chronic back pain by encouraging early mobilisation, reassurance that back pain is not, is not unusual and reassessment and support. Is that a good summary or would there be... Other things you'd like to add to it?
1: No, I think you nailed it there, Gavin. I think that was perfect. That was a really nice summary.
0: Of your practice, is back pain the, the vast majority of presentations to it? or What other areas do you see? Is, what about neck pain? Is is a very similar sort of scenario as well?
1: It's very similar in the sense of the approaches. Again, the advice about keeping moving, mobilisation, past mobilisation and massage early on, preventing recurrence with strengthening program at the neck. So, Neck pain's probably number three. The second most common thing we see would be shoulder pain. So shoulders would be the most common thing that we see. We seem to see a lot of shoulders. Back pain would probably, I reckon, be about fifty percent of what we see in practice. And I'd say shoulders would uh, shoulders would be about thirty percent, and necks would be about ten, and the rest would be would make up the other ten. So a significant part of our training is spent on not just acute pain management, but also on Chronic pain management, which is a very different approach, and the area of pain science is developing more and more, and certainly an area that physios are getting educated a lot more and more. And I think the great thing about what we do as physios is we understand the physiology of pain and exercise prescription, and can marry the two well together. And I think that's the strength that we have. And look, we're not trying to be pseudo psychologists. I think uh, it's really important we know our boundaries. When we see patients, we still have to apply those sort of same principles, encouraging wellness behaviours, discouraging illness behaviours because uh, you, know, you can't work in isolation. So I think we need to have some of those skills that you suggested and certainly the training that we're getting now more and more at the universities is not just treating acute pain but dealing with chronic pain and it becomes a lot more complicated and you need a greater suite of skills to be able to help with that.
0: Once again, it's been great having you on board today, James. Talking on back pain, a very common scenario. Thank you very much, James, for coming on Aussie Med Ed. It's been fantastic.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure, Gavin. Thanks for asking me. I hope it was useful for those people out there listening. Thank you very much for asking me. Thank
0: you, James Schomburg. The information provided to you today is designed to complement the information provided to you in your local region, and should supplement your readings and teachings in that area. Please don't take it as the only way of treating this condition or assessing a condition but really is a, one, of, one of various ways of assessing these conditions. Please be also be aware that the information provided today is really just general medical advice and isn't designed to actually be a source of medical information regarding your particular condition. Remember to consult your specialist or medical practitioner if you have concerns about a condition raised in this podcast. Well, thanks once again for listening to our podcast, Aussie Meded or the Australian Medical Education Podcast. We really enjoy hosting this podcast. I hope you find it useful to hear a pragmatic approach to everyday conditions. If you have any questions or information you want to ask about us or you'd like to put a suggestion for a topic, please don't hesitate to email us at gavin at med-ed.com.au. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed listening to it and we look forward to hosting it next fortnight when we introduce a new topic. Thank you.